Welcome to Voices for the New Age with your hosts, Juno Botan and Steve Sokolow. Each week, our show explores topics you've wanted to hear about with a focus on better health, wise leadership, and spiritual connections to help both your personal and professional life. Now, here is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. Good afternoon, and welcome to our first show of Voices for the New Age. And I'm Juna Wotan, and with me here is my co-host, Dr. Steven Sokolow. And our special guest today is Alan Steinfeld, the author of Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And Alan informs millions about human potential remote viewing, and the nature of alien contact through media appearances, lectures, and conferences. For over seven years, he's emceed at the largest UFO event in the country, Contact in the Desert. And Alan feels that only when the inner explorations of the soul are combined with the outer adventures of the mind can we achieve a harmonious understanding of our place in the cosmos. Alan is also the host and producer of the weekly television series called New Realities in New York City, and has a YouTube channel of the same name. There have been over 20 million viewers over the past three decades who've seen his programs featuring luminaries in the field of health, spirituality, and UFOs, and such as Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ram Das and every major UFO researcher in the field. It's an honor and a privilege to welcome you, Alan Steinfeld. Well, thank you. Great to be here. Thank you so much. And I always love Juna's voice. You know, she's an inspiration. And Stephen, great to meet you too. Pleasure, Alan. So, yeah, let's jump in. Let's start making contact with each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to aliens and UFOs, it seems that there's a wide range to cover. There's a very dark side that includes cattle mutilation, forced medical experiments performed on abductees, and trading humans for technological secrets. And on the other end, there's Daryl Anka, who you've interviewed in your book, who channels the extraterrestrial Bashar, who gives spiritual advice to its audience, or some of the abductees claim that their UFO encounter left them with a state of expanded awareness. So what's your position on all of this since you seem to cover the the whole gambit? I cover it in in different sections. This is not just my book. There's 11 contributors here. So in order to get the feel of how all these things could be possible and you call it alien contact or whatever you're calling it, it's not one thing. It's not one opinion. It's probably not one race of aliens. There's so many multiplicities of experiences that people have and it's sort of like life or, or seeing a movie. Some people hate it. Some people love it. You know, it's like, if you ask someone, if you ask a group of people about the movie they saw, they would all say, you know, everyone would have a different opinion. So in order to really make sense of this phenomena, which really doesn't make sense, it, it is beyond our linear mechanistic view of reality that we've been so conditioned to believe is real. 
we need to take in many, many perspectives. So it's like a mosaic. When you look at it up close, you don't see it. You have to look at it from a distance and maybe you get a picture of what's going on. So that's why I asked the people I feel are really the best in this field. And they talk about, yes, cattle mutilations, Linda Moulton Howe talks about that. And you get Daryl Anka communicating with these extraterrestrials for 40 years. He's been in this ongoing relationship. So what all of this does is expand our awareness about what's possible. That's why I put in there, it's really about us human beings. There may be something out there and obviously there is. We. We can't say we know what that is, but we can say that what we're engaging in is helping us to expand into more of who we are if we let go of our limited beliefs. We're moving into an unknown reality. And I think that's exciting. Don't you think so, Steve? <laughs> I do. I mean, uh, the adventure of the unknown has always drawn humankind. And we right. want to explore what it is we don't know to learn more about it. And the fact that you're a pioneer in this effort uh, is wonderful. And you can, pioneers help lead the way into that unknown. Right. And people always fear the unknown, but what they're really fearing is a projection of the known. You can't fear something you don't know unless you project what you know onto it. But if we really go into something unknown, I think it's exciting, it's adventurous, it's engaging, full of surprises and wonder. This is how we have to meet whatever's out there with wonder. This is what I write about. That's why I put it together a very positive book about the possibilities of the unknown and what it can do to evolve humanity. This is the exciting part. Uh, well, I think it's really timely th that your book came out right when a June report to Congress from the Director of National Intelligence concluded that all but one of 144 UFO sightings were reviewed that and couldn't be explained. Um, and they said that we currently lack sufficient information in the data set to attribute incidents to specific explanation. Uh, so why, uh, why aren't they doing more with all of these UFO researchers who have, you know, uh, good reputations and all? Well, why aren't they doing more? Because they have been doing more behind the scenes. That Senate intelligence report that came out in June 25th of 2021 was a kind of, I guess, glossing over of the last 75 years of investigations. Let's say if we start as with Roswell as a starting point, which was 1947, which was 74 years ago, so almost 70, almost three quarters of a century. There's been ongoing studies. So when the Senate comes out and says, oh, we've only looked at this since 2004, that is a continuation of the lie that we've all been perpetuating, they've been perpetuating and the ridicule. There's something they don't, the government doesn't want to tell us about what they know. When people when some of the big UFO sightings happen, there's usually F-16 jets following those UFOs and they obviously have, you know, camera footage and all that. So there's a big secret going on here. And the secret is to protect 
I, this is my speculation, protect corporations because whatever fossil fuel industry, because whatever's coming from wherever they're coming from is not filling up their gas tank to get here, right? <laughs> so they are protecting the domination of uh, corporate interests. That's one thing. I think there's also the fact that they, they, they don't know what it is. Governments really have, how do you say that you're defending the people of the country and having a huge defense budget if you don't know what you're defending them against? And the part of that report said that there were weapons or possibilities of using um, this technology against us because that's that's what the military does. It, it, it creates threat in order to produce like budget defenses, but they don't know what the technology is, I, I think it has to do with quantum physics, and I could get into that a little later. But yeah, they're keeping it secret because they don't know what it is. They they're protecting interests. They, they they say they they say they don't want people to freak out. But I think it's the government that would freak out. I think people. I just did a poll. I think it was. Um, I don't know who did the poll, but 65% of the American public at least have seen a UFO or know someone has seen a UFO. We are ready to welcome the other. That's why the subtitle of my book is preparing for the new realities of extraterrestrial existence and preparing just means making yourself aware something's out there. Let's, let's stay open. Let's not be shocked by the unknown. Preparing for the unknown is the best thing we can do, which is what we've been through the last two years by locking ourselves in our houses. You know, it's it's not it was the unknown. So as we go deeper into ourselves, it allows more of what's outside of ourselves to come forward. So I think we're in the perfect moment for this planetary awakening. Yeah, I, I'm amazed at just how much information is available. I went on to uh, one of the, uh, I think it was Amazon Prime, and just the number of documentaries that were on there. And this is like, to me, I remember back in the 80s, you know, information was more, much more scarce. And now it's just, I, it's like, do you think we're going to reach a, like a critical mass soon? I think tipping we are meet, meeting that critical mass because not only are there more documentaries, more people are having sightings, more people are having personal visitations. There's something happening here that is awakening us to a greater reality. And, you know, we're, it, is a, it is an awakening. It is like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, Steve, like what happens? You're... You're meaning something new. We're about to meet something new, right? And for, and for many of us, it's as an exciting possibility. For some, it's a fearsome possibility. And so, um, the uh, you speculated on why the government um, may have been trying to you know keep this all under wraps. Yeah. What's your speculation as to why these possible alien life forms have um, not been more present in making their presence known. I mean, they, to some extent they have, but not, you know, here I am on Times Square, come interview me. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. They're not. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Gina. No, no, uh, like no. They, they, they come with their lights on, but they don't <laughs> land on the White House lawn. 
Right. I think it's a strategy so they don't freak us out, you know, so, you know, so we could come and go. Someone said, did I see something? What was that thing? And then you see it again. And then it's like, oh, and then the documentary, then the films and the government. So it's like if they landed on the White House lawn, game over, people wouldn't be able to integrate this. So Hmm. they are helping us. So that shows their compassionate side yes it shows that they're not here to take over or invade our world i mean there's billions of earth-like planets out there i mean but we are um you know the universe means one verse one harmony and we are out of harmony you know when you blow up an atomic bomb which is really why they started to come in 1947 after the blast in hiroshima and nagasaki and they arrived in new mexico where the first atomic bomb sites were you know that's where the roswell crash was i think they atomic weapons rip a hole in time and space and they mm disturb the local universe and they showed up and saying "Uh oh the teenagers have the car keys we better check out what's going on there (laughs) so it's like there we are if consciousness is one and we're out of harmony we're like disrupting their consciousness it's like you know having a little splinter in your finger you know how your whole body's like you know, got to get that out, got to fix that. Well, consciousness is one. And we are very, you know, Stanton Freeman used to say, who wants to be friends with uh, a bunch of apes whose favorite pastime is tribal warfare? That's us, you know, for 10,000 years, war has been constant or even wars within families or tribes or state. I mean, we have to change that because, you know, we want to make friends with other people. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Alan, uh, you write in your introduction a quote from Deepak Chopra. Humans think only of what's good for me and mine without realizing that me and mine are entangled with all of existence. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Exactly. We are entangled with all of existence. And Deepak just interviewed me about the book. He said it was an important book because it starts to create a new history of humanity, new potentiality. So if we're part of something bigger and we're not a freak of nature and life is an abundant property of creation, that means we can look at ourselves differently. We can access new potentials that maybe consciousness is non-local. Maybe we, we are really vast, as vast as the universe itself. And if we thought differently about ourselves, we would have a different planet and it could be more peaceful. Right. But I, I think part of the problem is, is that getting people to, if people are, have set minds, you know, you can't even get people to wear masks. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, so um, I, I can see how it's challenging. But, you know, I think we're on the verge of something new. Yes. There's been a lot more polarities. And I think that's been, Underneath this um, a level of consciousness, these polar, and as it comes to the forward, we can resolve those polarities somehow if we can make our way through this little crisis and 
and really have a new heaven and a new earth. I think our potential for meeting the others and having increased technology, new advances in biology and science and cosmology and all sociology. Obviously, these beings have gotten along with each other enough to build an interplanetary, interstellar systems and maybe we can learn from them and maybe they're here to learn something from us. Maybe they're here to learn about our compassion, our love, our empathy, which is what some people have said. There's been a whole hybrid program. We can get into that in the next part, but some people say they're here because they want our genetics. They want our capacity to feel and we could use some of what they have. So I think it's exciting all around this exchange of information this is a momentous time in civilization. We're about to cross a threshold unlike anything we have known. It's like a discovery of a new world. Of course, you know, there were people in that new world that we discovered, but um, we can learn and we can evolve and we can realize that we're one planet. This, the UFO situation and the environmental crisis we're in requires us to be one, a planetary, one planet, no borders. We are all in this together. Great. And uh, we're going to have to take a break in a moment. And our guest today is Alan Steinfeld, the author of Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And so we're going to take a short break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if you could feel better about yourself? Is it time to change your life's direction? Juno Wotan offers in-person or remote astrology readings and karmic healing sessions, classes, and workshops. These are all designed to give you a better sense of well-being and fulfillment. You'll benefit from the support and guidance to relieve stress, get unstuck, gain confidence, and more. Reach out to Juna through her website at Juniverse.com or via email to Junawotan at me.com. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Dr. Stephen Sokolow is the director of the Center for Empowered Leadership. CFEL offers executive and leadership coaching, as well as leadership training and development. Visit CFEL.org to find out more. Dr. Sokolow is available for seminars, workshops, retreats, and speaking engagements. You can also visit the website to purchase top-selling books, join networking opportunities, and a lot more. Contact Dr. Stephen Sokolow at slsokolow at aol.com or through the Center for Empowered Leadership website at cfel.org. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Voices for the New Age. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to junowotan at me.com. Now, back to Voices for the New Age. Here again is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. Welcome back. Our guest today is Alan Steinfeld, author of Making Contact, Preparing for the New Realities of Extraterrestrial Existence. And uh, Steve, you had a, you had a comment. I well, I love the phrase preparing. Right. And, you know, being in the field of leadership, a lot of what we do is to prepare the ground and the structures for what we want to manifest and bring in, in, into reality. And Alan's response to me, I found very exciting. It, it, it implies a del- deliberation on the part of these species to want to create a readiness so that when we they do make official contact, so to speak, we will be ready and, and perhaps greet them with a handshake instead of a bullet. Exactly. Thank you. You know, there's a great um, quote by the, I think he's 18th century philosopher Schopenhauer, author Schopenhauer. He says, truth passes through three stages. First, it's denied, then it's ridiculed, and then it appears as self-evident. The self-evident is there's no reaction. It's like, And you talk to young people, of course, of course, we're not alone. Of course, we're part of a greater reality. So it's this self-evidency is part of changing the mindset from fear into acceptance, into cooperation. You know, they we are cooperating. You know, cooperation is a better sign of evolution than competition. This is what the Darwinians are no uh, say. You know, species, right? Species that cooperate with each other survive more than those that compete with each other. And if we are cooperating with these other beings, and they're actually an extension of us then maybe we're moving into this greater evolutionary being that we're all a part of. Like, you know, all the cells in your body create your consciousness, but they think maybe you think they're separate. So we think we're separate from them, but we're really a cell in a larger organism that these beings are also a part of to create a greater being. And that's what is coming into our evolutionary sphere. This is, my feeling. This, right. Uh, yes. Yes. And, and it's also, again, that the feminine energy is the cooper- cooperation. And so it's yes. working on balancing that, uh, you know, after thousands of years of patriarchy. And so. Right. And linear, th- you know, the feminine energy is the receptive and the male energy is the linear dominant, you know, 
going and doing. And we just have to get out of the way, let go of our concepts and receive the possibility. That's the feminine aspect. Yes. And Alan, I love your vision of of unity um, and oneness and looking at the quantum level as the underlying strata upon which that unity occurs. Right. Well, June and I are Aquarians. We look at that bigger picture. of, <laughs> And we, we need to think differently. Quantum physics is a key to understanding how these objects can move so quickly in and out of time and space, appear one place. Because my opinion or belief or thesis is that they hold a superposition. When you collapse a wave function in quantum physics, you say, this is it. But when you keep everything fluid, everything as a wave and not a particle, you can maintain many positions at once. And it's just a new, it's also a kind of intuitive science as opposed to a linear Newtonian science. So that's what I feel when they merge their consciousness, these beings with their craft, they could be anywhere they want, anytime. And we have that potential. This is what this book is about, preparing ourselves to meet the others as the others. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We have the potential of mind and consciousness to do that. We've never been taught how to use who and what we are. And this is what we're in training for now. Yeah. And how do crop circles fit in? Because I've known you spent time with them. Can you share your experience? Well, when I first saw them and no one knew what, who was making them, I thought, and I still think there are language, there are signs, there, there's symbolic forms from some of these beings, because it's not when we say these beings out there, there's obviously more than one race. They're talking to us in these abstract forms and they're expanding our mind with these symbols because patterns are the language of the right brain not, you know, it's the forest, not the trees. If you see the trees, that's great. But if you see the forest and forest, when I say that, that means pattern recognition is the real language of the right brain. So when you see these patterns in the crop, we're being coded and um, initiated into using new neural nets of awareness to perceive the higher realities. That's how crop circles fit in. Wow. How many have you seen? Well, I was there two summers, 2008 and 2010. I, I may have been, I, you know, each one feels so different and they're so weird and energetic. Uh, I was probably in maybe five or six, but I've seen thousands online, Crop Circle Connector. Do you know what they are, Steve? Have you heard seen those? No, I have not. These are patterns that are made in the wheat fields, mostly England, oh, although. Oh, oh, I know a crop. I did. I thought you I meant the connectors. I didn't, didn't oh, understand that Oh, Crop Connector is the website that ha, it has oh, every year. Okay, yes. But I'm there's very familiar, been some, yes. they kind of stopped for a while in 2012, and now they're making a comeback. So there's been some very high quality, um, advanced mathematical um, understandings of 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 these circles that, that stimulate higher mind. Like sacred geometry. Yeah, sacred geometry, but but not like anything we've seen before. So this is ETs, is my belief, trying to 
develop a higher function of mind. Like it's like, you know, if you're the more advanced species, like if you're talking to your dog or your cat, you're not barking at your dog, you're talking to them in the more advanced language. So they're not like barking us in the side of ordinary language you're used to speaking in. They're giving us advanced language so we can raise up to their level of awareness. That's the key to crop circles. So they're light codes. They're light codes. They're initiation codes. They're neurological um, maps for connecting new ways of perceiving patterns of awareness. They're, um, they're upgrades. That, uh, from the earth or these beings. And when I was in England, I actually saw these lights coming down in the fields. I mean, so there's a lot going on. This is not, a, when you talk about UFOs, this is not about objects in the sky. This is not about machines. This is what the, I also want to say, the whole program and the soul study by the government was went from UFOs to UAPs unexplained aerial phenomena. So we went from objects or machines to phenomena because there's, this is, this is, this is something that affects us on a conscious level. These are not just visitors from another planet. They may be that, but there's so much more. This is an upgrade to the total population of the earth and the human civilization about going to the next, maybe call it dimension if that makes sense, fifth dimension. Yeah. A higher frequency. Yes, a higher frequency. Exactly. That's why I was trying to say, yes, yes. And uh, what do you, why do you think that there's uh, a big interest to go to Mars right now and, and billionaires wanting to go up in space? Well, that was, that's one of my favorite jokes. UFOs are just billionaires from other planets visiting. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> but, that's good. Uh, but there's something <laughs> I, I think it also goes back to that uh, question Steve had earlier, like um, why are they not showing themselves and why, I mean, actually say that, but why are they showing themselves now? Because the sort of the dimensional doorways, the veils between the worlds are getting thinner. They are appearing on reality because we are ready for this. And, you know, going to Mars is just a kind of external manifestation of wanting to meet the other. I mean, it's, it's kind of expensive because, you know, I mean, they're already here. We have to just open our doors and say, okay, you know, and I, I, I think people should not fear this. When people go into fear about this, they're, they are just um, being programmed by the old narrative, like the government. The government had a program called a study on advanced aerial threat identification program. A threat had to be in there in order for them to study it. But we are really at a threshold of a marvelous time, a new step for humanity, unlike anything we have ever seen before. It is, there's a deeper mystical aspect of humans that are being tapped as we meet these other beings because we have to be in a much more lucid state. When I've met these beings in these dream states, I've, I've had to transcend a kind of um, ordinary reality and be in a much more super conscious awareness. And this is what they're calling on us to do. If they were to appear you right now, Steve, you might, you might, it might disconnect us, not just you, all of us from reality, because mm -hmm. their, their consciousness field 
emanates something so much greater than our ordinary human field. So we have mm-hmm. to transcend the old way of thinking and welcome this bigger field, if you know what I mean by field of awareness. I, I huh. do. and It's very exciting. At, uh, uh, I had mentioned to you uh, when we talked, I had been to uh, uh, Mount Adams in Washington right. State. And when you described what I saw were not machines, but I saw a phenomenon. Yes. I, and, and what I saw aligned with what you said, uh, my uh, notion of the quantum field where particles kind of pop out of the quantum field and then recede. And I saw these orbs pop out of apparently nowhere. Some people thought they came out of the mountain, but they were in the vicinity of the mountain, but they just appeared. And then they moved in very interesting formations, uh, unlike anything I had ever seen. And then they would disappear and then reappear. And it was almost as though it was a choreographed dance. It was quite beautiful. That's you're seeing the interdimensionality of these this phenomena, because it is not just 3D. You're right. It is phenomenal. It is an aspect uh, that affects human experience. And some people can't even see them, even if they're looking at those orbs. But these orbs are happening all over the world. There's uh, the Marfa lights in in Texas. There's um, where else is that I hear about this? There's there's lots of places, a place in Norway. There's a place um it's a place in New England, I think, where these lights appear because there's these interdimensional doorways that mm. these, these beings or craft or whatever you want to call are easier to move in and out of our space. So when we understand that we are really interdimensional as well, you know, we think we're physical, but consciousness is not physical. It is epiphenomenal. It's, it's, it's an epi effect or greater effect or maybe causing the physical, but, you know, there's a big crossover between people who see UFOs and near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. There's this expanded awareness that happens because we are moving into the world where we are intersecting with these other dimensional presences. And that's really another reason why the government has no idea how to tell us about this. You know, are they going to talk about interdimensionality where they, you know, can't even explain what that is? So we're coming into a time where this all has to be laid out on the table. Congress has to come forward. Scientists, philosophers, um, academics, people like us who've had experiences, and we all have to sit down and figure out what are the new realities that we are moving into? What is the new narrative that we can live by? How can we cooperate together? How do we meet the other? And how do we embrace more of ourselves? This is the destiny of humanity. Yes, and I, and I think also to, to uh, be more respectful and kind to our planet here because yeah. uh, it, we're in trouble. Our planet's our spaceship. And if we don't have a spaceship, we're not going anywhere. You know, so we really, that was Buckminster Fuller said, Earth ship, spaceship Earth. So, yeah, we need to have a new relationship to the Earth and a new relationship to the heavens. That was prophesied. There'll be a new heaven, a new Earth. And we are, we have to all come together somehow to make this shift because 
it's not going to be, you know, it's not easy already, but we're being called upon to rise to a higher occasion. And I think that's what these last two years have been about. So making contact is making contact with yourselves, each other, the earth, and the other. The other is knocking on our door and we're saying, go away. We have too many problems here or something. But some people are waking up. We're waking up. Everyone listening to Voices for the New Age. And we've been talking about this for since the 80s, right, Junis? <laughs> That's right. The yeah. New Age began and ended somewhere in the 80s. But we're, we're bringing it back because it is this time of, a, of Aquarius, the, this new time yeah. of being. So, um, yes, and, yes, and, yes. And so, Alan. Alan is contributing from my perspective to raising this collective consciousness, because we have our own consciousness. But when you combine all of our states of consciousness, there's the collective consciousness of humanity. You are contributing to raising that consciousness. And I I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. I think everyone who reads this book will also be raising consciousness because it's not just my story. It's, It's 11 of the best researchers in the field who look at this from so many different angles, from the experiencer angle to the researchers, to investigators like John Mack. There's an original essay that's never been published before by John Mack. So it is time that we look at it together and open our minds about what is possible without fear, but with wonder, excitement, and possibility. That's the future for us. And, and Alan, where can people buy your book? Oh, yes. Buy it on Amazon. That's the easiest place. Making Contact, Alan Steinfeld. Look that up on Amazon. They have a lot of great reviews. You also go to Ask for it at Barnes & Noble or any local bookstore. Or uh, it's on Kindle, Audio, Audacity, those places that sell it on all sorts of levels. So... We are um, available in many, many realms, okay? And um, also, uh, what, what's your YouTube channel? Oh, it's so- youtube.com slash new reality. So, um, yes, look me up. Every couple of days I do a new YouTube. And so um, I welcome comments, viewers, suggestions. Email me too at newrealities at earthlink.net. If you bought the book, let me know what you think. Write a review on Amazon. And there's so much more to say about this, but we at least got people excited, right? Oh, yes. Uh, Thank you both for great comments. Yes. So, Alan, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Um, We've been speaking with Alan Steinfeld, author of Making Contact. And so, hopefully, you can come back again. I will. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And Mm -hmm. we're uh, going to take a short break and we'll be right back with uh, Steve Sokolow's uh, tips for empowering leadership and uh, I will give an astrology forecast for the upcoming week. Great to see you Steve. See you Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. What if you could feel better about yourself? Is it time to change your life's direction? Juno Wotan offers in-person or remote astrology readings and karmic healing sessions, classes, and workshops. These are all designed to give you a better sense of well-being and fulfillment. You'll benefit from the support and guidance to relieve stress, get unstuck, gain confidence, and more. 
Reach out to Juna through her website at Junaverse.com or via email to Junawotan at me.com. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Dr. Stephen Sokolow is the director of the Center for Empowered Leadership. CFEL offers executive and leadership coaching as well as leadership training and development. Visit CFEL.org to find out more. Dr. Sokolow is available for seminars, workshops, retreats, and speaking engagements. You can also visit the website to purchase top-selling books, join networking opportunities, and a lot more. Contact Dr. Stephen Sokolow at slsokolow at aol.com or through the Center for Empowered Leadership website at cfel.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Voices for the New Age. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to junawotan at me.com. Now, back to Voices for the New Age. Here again is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. Welcome back to Voices for the New Age. I'm Juna Wotan, and with me here is my co-host, Dr. Steve Sokolow, who is a child-centered educator committed to empowering wise leadership in both public and private sectors. Formerly, he served as a superintendent of schools in New Jersey. He's the executive director of the Center of Empowered Leadership, as well as a Reiki master with more than 25 years of experience. Dr. Sokolow has authored three books and has also contributed to spirituality and educational leadership. Dr. Sokolow is a Vistage speaker and is available for lectures, media appearances, workshops, and coaching sessions. And you can contact him at www.cfel.org. And so, welcome back, Steve. And so... You, um, your background is in education, and you were a su- the superintendent of the schools in, in New Jersey. And so what prompted you to co-author three books on wise leadership? Well, we, earlier we were talking about science and how things unfold and evolve. Uh, there was a fairly new branch of science that developed, I think, in the last 20 years called chaos theory. And one of the uh, lessons from chaos theory or precepts is that small actions 
can have big consequences. The name for that particular perspective from chaos theory is called the butterfly effect. And uh, the scientists in chaos theory uh, argue that uh, even a butterfly flapping its wings in New York could change the weather patterns in Tokyo the following day. Now, that's a pretty big action uh, consequence of a little tiny action. Well, the motivation for me in these three books, uh, similarly, was a spontaneous moment that occurred about 20 years ago. So about 20 years ago, I was giving a Reiki energy treatment to Dr. Paul Houston, who was the, at the time was the executive director of the American Association of School Administrators. And uh, he was in a very relaxed state of consciousness when he said, Steve, I've been thinking about writing a book about the integration of spirituality and leadership. Do you want to co-author it with me? My heart answered yes before my head could seriously consider the implications of that invitation. Well, our first book turned out to be The Spiritual Dimension of Leadership. And one book led to two others and possibly a fourth in the future. The motivation was that Paul and I, uh, who both consider ourselves to be servant leaders, had been talking about leadership for about 15 years. And we felt we had a point of view that could be very helpful to others. And that's really with the motivation of where this, our books came from. And so why, why is it important for leaders to be hope-based rather than fear-based? Well, it's interesting in our previous segment, uh, Alan was talking about fear and he didn't use the word hope, but the types of words he used to me fall under the umbrella of hope. And so um, one way to think about this uh, Imagine a balance scale, uh, and we as individuals, let's say we have grains of sand, and we can put some grains of sand on the fear side of the balance scale, or we could put them on the hope side of the balance scale. I recommend and advocate that we put a little more sand on the hope side than the fear side because then the scale will tilt in favor of hope. And that's true if it's true for us as individually. As I was talking to Alan about collectiveness, if we all do that, we can raise the vibration of hope on the planet. I mean, we've uh, all are experiencing COVID. And I think COVID has raised the fear consciousness of the planet uh, if not to an all-time high, certainly among the all-times high in history. And as leaders, I think we need to help people find hope in the midst of their own chaos and fear. Well, how, how, how what's the first step? Well, the first step is, and Alan said the same thing, 
we have to start with ourselves. We start with ourselves and then build outward. We can't give what we don't have. So as a leader, you have to uh, engender hope. You have to, you know, I think it was uh, Gandhi who talked about, uh, you know, being the hope that you, you know, want to be. You have to be it. And so uh, I like to use the word embody. You have to embody hope. You have to live it. And hope is not just uh, an emotion. Hope is a state of mind. Hope is an action. So, you know, you and I talk a lot about mind, body, and spirit. Well, hope manifests in all of those elements of mind, body, and spirit. And the more we can embody that emotion and those the feelings associated with hope, the thoughts associated with hope, the actions associated with hope, it will be um, contagious. It's like sending out a ripple, a signal that gets picked up by those around us. Yeah, or what I'm hearing is uh, it's like being open-minded as opposed to closed-minded or uh, like what Alan was saying just uh, in the last segment. Hope clearly involves being open. It involves Mm -hmm. being positive. Uh, It involves uh, thinking about things in a, um, a bigger, better possibility rather than one that it's constricting and uh, uh, causes you to uh, constrain yourself uh, as fear does. And and so you're available for lectures, media appearances, workshops, and coaching sessions. How can people contact you? The easiest way would be to go to uh, my website, cfel.org, and uh, there. my email address is there. Our phone number is there, and uh, you can reach me. Wonderful, thank you, Steve. And uh, so, uh, did you have any other questions about hope versus fear at this point? Or? Uh, no, I think it's time to move into our next segment and find out what's in the stars. Okay. Okay, and All so right, Judith, go ahead. Um, And so hopefully matters will be less intense this week now that the sun has moved from fiery, dramatic Leo to earthy, service-oriented Virgo. However, the negative expression of Virgo is nitpicking and criticism, so it's best to watch your words. And unpredictable Uranus, who went retrograde last Thursday, is still very slow in the sky, so you may have some more surprises or a change in plans this week. It's best to go with the flow and practice loving kindness. Five outer planets are now retrograde, and that means slowing down or the illusion of going backwards. So things are, they're not pushing up forwards and pushing ahead. So matters may begin to slow down so you can review, revise, and reorganize in order to make adjustments to move full speed ahead in mid-fall. And love planet Venus will be at odds with expansion, expansive Jupiter today. So take care not to be overly optimistic, overindulgent, or overspend. 
Thoughtful Mercury will be in sync with powerful Pluto on Thursday, which is favorable for asking favors from VIPs. And it's also beneficial if you're involved in sales, research, investigative reporting, negotiating business deals, or making a major purchase. And Venus will be cranky with unpredictable Uranus on Saturday, which will increase your need for excitement, so you'll want to try something new. This aspect favors creative endeavors or trying new techniques or a different approach. And on Sunday, communication planet Mercury will clash with innovative Uranus, which could bring you flashes of genius and progressive thoughts or some kooky, loony ideas. On Monday, Mercury will leave analytical critical Virgo to visit lovely fair-minded Libra to November 6th. But it will be retrograde from September 28th to October 19th. And it will be easier to see another person's point of view and be more diplomatic and friendly during that time. So, um, and so let's now take a more personal look and see how the sun in Virgo will impact each sun sign and rising side until September 23rd. So for Aries, the sun will be in your sixth house of work and health this week, making it a good time to schedule dental and health checkups, get your teeth cleaned, or start a new diet and exercise program. Work will probably be a big focus, and it's a good time to get organized. Taurus, it's time for fun and romance, as the sun will occupy your fifth house of pleasures. It's a great time to start a hobby or a creative project or spend more quality time with your children. If you're dating, it's a good time to circulate, or you'll likely meet some interesting people. Gemini, your focus will shift your personal life, for the sun will be in your domestic sector. You may want to spend more time with your family, work on projects around your house, or landscape your yard. Perhaps you'll entertain house guests or host a dinner party. And Cancer, you'll be likely be very busy as the sun will energize your third house. You may be planning a short-distance trip or an outing with your brother or sister. Perhaps it's time to get your car serviced or buy a new one. Or you may want to write a newsletter, blog, or podcast, or be more in touch with people in general. Leo, money matters will take center stage as the sun energizes your second house of earned income. It's great time to review your budget and make adjustments or find ways to boost your cash flow. It's also a favorable time to take stock of what you have, buy what you need, and get rid of what you can't use. Virgo, it's your time to shine for the spotlight is on you. It would be wise to set goals for you'll be able to forge a new path. You may want to change your appearance and get a fresh look with a new fashion statement or a different hairstyle for you'll get attention and you'll want to look your best. Scorpio, your social life will pick up the pace and your appointment calendar will fill up with fun activities for the sun will energize your 11th house. This will be an excellent time to connect with groups of kindred spirits, expand your contacts on social media, or spend more time with friends. Sagittarius, career matters will be your focus as the sun will shine in your 10th house of achievement and fame. This is a good time to make your mark in the world. If you're not happy with how your career is going, you may want to see how you can make changes. 
And Capricorn, you'll want to answer the call of adventures. The sun will activate your ninth house of personal growth. You may want to plan a trip, schedule a vacation, enroll in a course of study, or take a seminar that will enrich your life in some way. Aquarius, it's time to get, it's time to clear out the clutter of your living space and rid yourself of what you don't need and can't use. The sun will illuminate your eighth house of transformation, and you may want to review your internet and phone services to make sure you're getting the best deal. And Pisces, you'll be able to learn a lot about yourself from your one-on-one interactions with others. For your partnership sector will be beautifully lit. Don't go it alone, for others can benefit you. If you're dating someone special, you may want to make a commitment. Or perhaps you'll be creating a new business partner or agent. And if you'd like to learn more about how to get an astrology reading, uh, past life regression, karmic healing session, or crystal dreaming, please go to my website, www.juniverse.com, and that's D-J-U-N-A-V-E-R-S-E.com. You've been listening to Voices from the for the New Age here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Juna Wotan, and my co-host has... Uh, Steve Sokolow, and our guest today has been Alan Steinfeld, author of Making Contact. And you'll want to tune in next week when we have uh, interviews with um, Tony Lamastro and Maureen Malone, co-directors of the Rebirthing Center in Philadelphia, talking about how breath work and the power of breath can transform your life. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Voices for the New Age. Please join your hosts, Juno Botan and Steve Sokolow, next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can't wait to share more about your better self next week. <music>